Curry on the track. The taste is high. Yeah, high, high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Uh, wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The taste is high. Yeah, high, high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Uh, wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George, Joe, and Eric. First, we're going to start off with George. George, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great today. You know, hopefully this podcast will be a little better quality than the past. We're using a different site to record, so hopefully it all works out, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Joe, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Pretty chill day. What can I say? It's good. Mm. Eric, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Right on, right on. Okay, so some of today's topic, some of today's featured topics include will Melo re-sign with the Trailblazers? And if not, who will he sign with? The Bucks versus the Heat in the second round. What are your predictions? And finally. Do you think the Pacers front office made the right decision in parting ways with former head coach Nate McMillan? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. So to start off our takes, we're going to start off with the Carmelo Anthony subject. Carmelo Anthony signed a non-guaranteed contract with the Portland Trail Blazers that turned into a guaranteed contract when Melo impressed the Blazers with his performances. Melo was also a huge contributor in the NBA bubble, helping the Blazers secure the 8th seed despite the odds being stacked against them. Now that the Blazers are done for the season, Melo enters the offseason as a free agent. So, Joe, we will start with you since you are our number one Melo fan. (laughs) Will Melo re-sign with the Blazers? And if not, who will he sign with? I think he'll sign with a uh, resign with the Blazers because Melo said himself he thinks he's found a new home with the Blazers. And with the Blazers, Melo averages averaged 15.4 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 1.5 assists in a regular season. Mm. I think it's um I think it's because after getting forced out of um Houston and taking a whole year off, I think Portland I think to Portland, he deserves a comeback player of the year award. Mm. And that's what what I think about Melo. Right on, right on. Okay, so George, what is your take? Do you believe that Melo will re-sign with the Blazers? And if not, who's he going to sign with? All right, man. I'm taking my fan out of this, and I'm just, you know, putting my GM hat on for this one. I'm going to say no. The Blazers shouldn't re-sign him. I'm sure, you know, the players might want him, and I'm sure Melo wants to be there. But he's been a defensive liability, and, you know, I I just think the Blazers should go with a little more youth, focus more on defense. Um, So I gave this previous stat on the other podcast, but the Blazers' defensive rating was one of the lowest in the league, ranked 27th out of 30 in the regular season, but dropped even lower in the bubble to 120.4, which was 20th out of the 22 teams that were in the bubble. 
when the Blazers had their five-man lineup, which included Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, Zach Collins, and Nurkic, their defensive rating was 127.7 in the bubble. But when they replaced Melo with Gary Trent Jr., their defensive rating went to 105.6, which was a plus 20 per 100 possessions. The league has moved towards a small ball lineup, and Melo is a defensive liability in their bigger man lineup. The Blazers add, or they, the Blazers need to add more defense, not offense. They already got enough enough offense with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and some of the others. He's not. Uh, he's also a 36 year old star, and he's not getting more athletic. He's not getting faster. So that's why I'm saying. You know, they should move on. You know, obviously, as a fan, I would love to see him there. And I'm sure the players love him. Damian Lillard has come out and said it. But just as a GM, I think it's time to move on. Mm, Interesting take. Joe, what are your thoughts on that? You can't put all that defensive struggle all on Melo. It's a team effort. And I think, I really think it's not just him. It's all... I don't know. It's whatever now. <laughs> All right, Eric, what is your take on this? Do you believe that Melo will re-sign with the Blazers? And if not, who was he going to sign with? Well, first off, uh, hats off to the Blazers for signing him. I know it was a one-year non-guaranteed deal, but they still gave him a chance. And, like, obviously, he deserved that chance. I mean, this is a guy who starred, uh, started every game he played in, and uh, he won a Western Conference Player of the Week. Uh, he even moved to the 15th on the NBA's all-time scoring list. Like, this man is no joke. I know they treated him like a joke for that one year. It's completely disrespectful. Anyway, um, I really do think Melo wants to stay. Uh, Just like he said, and I quote, I pray it could be Portland. I think I found a real home here. So I think he wants to stay for sure. I mean, why would he want to go anywhere else? Why would he put trust in another team that other teams just downed him from the beginning anyway, you know? So I really think he wants to stay. Now, Portland, on the other hand, I know George says he's a defensive liability, but just like Joe said, man, it's not just him. It's a team effort. And, uh, I mean, come on, man. This guy's clutch. He's shown it, and he even helped them lead uh, the Blazers in the bubble to the playoffs. So, man, this man's no joke, you know. Um, I think it would be smart to re-sign him. Um, it would also be, you know, it wouldn't be that expensive to also sign him, maybe for like a two-year deal or something like that. You know, keep it short and sweet and uh, just keep him around for a minute, man. Mm. George, go ahead and give your take on Eric's opinion. Uh, well, I'm going to go at the opinion or the thing that him and Joe were saying on the fact that it's not just Carmelo Anthony that's the defensive liability. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that whole team really doesn't play defense. That's why they're one of the lowest ranked in the entire NBA. But, you know, you're not going to get rid of Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. So. You, I just feel like you need to replace Melo with a, a nice forward that plays defense that can go out there and guard the different forwards in the league but can also switch on the guards. And obviously Melo's not going to be that guy. Um, like he, he lets them shoot wide open shots, man. That guy is a defensive liability. So I'm just going to go with they should look at someone else. Mm. What do you guys think? Anybody else want to give their take on this? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, also, well, just to emphasize real quick. What's your take, Drew? I want to hear your take. 
My take, huh? Well, if it were me, I would I would want the Blazers to re-sign him if I was a Trail Blazers fan. Now, my thing with it is he showed that he fits in their system. Their system, you can tell their system is high octane offense, not as much defense, and that just fits that he just fits their system. Now, George makes a good point that, well, they should focus more on the defense. Yeah, you can make that argument. But we've seen that you can win games in this league if you just run high-octane offense with not as much defense. Because this game, in general, primarily is a an offensive-minded game. So I believe that he showed that he deserves to be in Portland. Uh, and if not in Portland, he deserves to be with another team that it's so basically if Portland decides not to sign him, he deserves to be with another team for sure. So that's my take on it. Go ahead, George. Yeah. So, um, yeah, offense can win you some games, but you that, that's not going to win you a championship, right? Like, yeah, you might make playoffs. Yeah. You might win a round or two, but if you want to win the chip, you need defense on top of your offense. And just to emphasize that point on the mellow, not playing defense, the team was a plus 20 when he was on the bench and they replaced him with Gary Trent Jr. So, yeah, it's not only him, but we've seen when he gets off the off the court, their defense goes up. They're a plus 20. And like I said, I mean, if they want to, you know, make a deep run and make it to the championship, which I'm sure they do, I think you got to explore your options of replacing Melo with someone who can play some more defense, a little more versatile, that can guard other positions. That's just my my little take on that. What you think, Eric? So having Gary Trent Jr. come in and be that defensive player is great. But having Melo there in times of need, for example, the clock's running out. Um, you know, it could be the fourth quarter, the third quarter, doesn't matter. The 24-second shot clock, this man's going to drain a damn shot. This man is one of the most clutch players in the NBA. He will be there doing ISO plays or just like, you, like uh, uh, Drew was saying, he plays through the system as well. So you can put him in any situation, he's going to blossom. He might be that defensive liability on that court. But when you have that minute left and you need that guy to score, he's the man. All right, Eric, let me ask you this real quick. Um, you're, you're saying he's clutching on. I'm, I'm not saying he's not clutch, but, you know, in the clutch, you need one shot. Who who you have taken the shot? You got Melo or Damian Lillard taking that last shot? So when you got Damian Lillard with the ball in hand, I want him to take the shot. But remember, he's getting the double teams, all right? So that double team to Damian Lillard, boom, you're either giving it to McCollum or you're giving it to Melo. Having two choices is better than one, so I'd definitely have him on the court at that time. At that point, you would have three choices because, of you know, of course, Damian included. Well, no, but... I'm saying Damian being um, the man being doubled and he has to pass, he's not a choice anymore. So it would be mm-hmm. Melo and it would be CJ. Yeah, that, that's a good point. But, I mean, maybe if you got better defense, you don't need a clutch shot. Joe, what are your thoughts? I am 100% giving Carmelo the ball when there's 24 seconds on the clock. Game over shot Dame. winner. Over Dame. Mm-hmm. It might be my biased opinion, but I'll have him shooting that ball. I think he proved that he definitely could shoot that ball. Anybody else? Any other takes before we move on to the next topic? No. 
Let's move on to the next topic then. Saturday, the Milwaukee Bucks moved on to the second round of the NBA playoffs by winning Game 5 versus the Orlando Magic. They will play the Miami Heat, who handled their first-round matchup efficiently by winning all four games they played versus the Indiana Pacers. So, we're going to start this one with George. George, Bucks versus Heat. Who you got? In this series... I got the Miami Heat winning in six games. The Miami team has been the dark horse uh, in this playoffs for me since the beginning. And they're coming off that hot sweep against the Pacers. I see them turning up the heat on the deer. And Jimmy Butler will be feasting on some fresh venison for dinner. The Mm -hmm. key to this is simple. And we've seen it done already. It's keeping Giannis out of the paint. They have multiple bodies that are fast enough and strong enough to hold Giannis back. And not get knocked away from him. Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, Bam Adebayo, and Kelly Olenek are these type of players that will be switching on him and will be able to slow down the freak. The Heat have won the two out of three games against the Bucks, and two of those games didn't include Jimmy Butler. In their second meeting with, with Butler in the game, they were able to hold the freak to 6 of 14 from the two-point range for 33% from the field. Giannis has attempted 393 shots outside of the paint this season and amongst 116 qualified players with over 300 attempts, Giannis ranks 109th out of that 116. He shoots 43.6% outside of the paint. The other reason why I have the Heat winning is because of Middleton. We've seen him shrink on the biggest games with the brightest lights and when Giannis needed him the most. Last year when they faced the Raptors and lost those four games straight, Middleton was 3-for-16 in 44 minutes in that Game 3 loss. He was also 2-of-9 in 36 minutes in that Game 5 loss. The next reason why the Heat will win is because of the Bucks' defense. And I know you guys are probably thinking, like, dude, they got a good defense. But their defensive philosophy is to pre- protect the paint and dare shooters to make their threes. The Bucks allow the most threes by teams this season and allow 7.6 three-pointers with the defender at least six feet away. Think about that. that those are wide-open shots, and the Miami Heat will capitalize on those since they are ranked the second-best three-point shooting team in the NBA with shooters like Drogic, who's shooting 37%, Crowder at 41%, Olenek at 43%, Hero at 39% from three. The Heat also have a great organization led with championship pedigree with Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, and have the finals MVP veteran Andre Iguodala. The Heat are deep. They got multiple players who can guard or guard and get their own shots, handle, play defense. I got the Heat in six. Mm. Eric, what are your thoughts? Who do you got in the the Heat versus Bucks series? Um, just going off my opinion, I'm gonna go for the Bucks, man. The Bucks are having one of the greatest seasons. Um, I know it's not. I mean, we just had one playoff round, but they had one of the greatest seasons, and Giannis is having one of his best seasons. Uh, they even have it as one of the best. Uh, well, Giannis anyway, one of the best player seasons in NBA history. So, I mean. That's just one player as well. But they have some really good players, man. Like, look at Brooke, Brooke Lopez. He's shooting at a really high uh, three-point percentage right now. 
And uh, you have some really good players on this team, man. Just just like the Heat, man. Just like how George was saying, George gave us just a huge amount of numbers right now. And uh, the the Heat just they got it all right now, man. And uh, they they do have them as like he says the dark horse. But I just don't see anything about the Bucks getting knocked off here, man. I have the Bucks in six or seven. I would say six. Um, anything short of a finals run for the Bucks is a complete disappointment, man. And to be honest, if the Bucks don't go to the finals, I just don't see Giannis staying. Mm. Joe, what are your thoughts? Bucks versus Heat, who you got? To me, I think the Bucks are going to win it with a gentleman sweep to the Heat, even though the Bucks are 2-1 and one in their regular season bout. But the only thing that gets me worried about this matchup for the Bucks is the Heat made the Bucks shoot twenty four to eighty eight in their first two games, but the third game um, that took place in the bubble, um, Milwaukee shot fifteen for thirty seven. That's a forty point five shooting rating for that game. I think the Bucks could ride out this momentum of the four games they won in the playoffs straight, even though they lost that first game. But I believe they could ride out that momentum of winning four straight games and winning these games out. Mm. So you got you got the Bucks in five, correct? Yes. Mm. Go ahead, George. Yeah, so to that, that point of uh, that bubble game where they beat the Heat, we got to remember Jimmy Butler wasn't there. So that's going to be a difference true. maker. And um, – yeah, I mean, we got to remember Jimmy Butler. He's he's a difference maker. He's going to show his dominance, and we've seen him stop Giannis already. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Any other takes before we move on to the next? Oh, yeah, who you got, Drew? Yeah, who you got? Oh, man, that's twice in a row you guys asking me now, huh? We got to get you in sometime. <laughs> All right, so I thought about this, actually, back and forth because – I feel like both teams are my personal favorite to come out of the East and represent the East in the finals. And after much thought, I do agree, Eric, that the Bucks, if they, if anything short of the finals this year would be a disappointment, but I, I just can never count out my boy, Jimmy Butler. He is a dog and he is surrounded by a bunch of players that have this have the same mentality that he has that they just they want to win. Actually, uh, personal personal anecdote from uh, H- uh, Hero, I think his name is right the the rookie that they have on their team. Yep. Yeah, personal anecdote from him. So he actually spoke about Jimmy, his first encounter with Jimmy. So they the first time they met, they they ran a scrimmage and. The entire the entire team with Jimmy Butler as kind of the uh, the instigator of it, they made Hero guard Jimmy for that in, the duration of that entire scrimmage, and Hero never backed down. He never he never shied away from the challenge of guarding Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler sauced him up, uh, according to what Jimmy Butler said when they asked him about the anecdote too, and basically. Jimmy said, I knew right then that we, we had a good one with this guy. So personal anecdote that I thought was pretty cool regarding Hero and Jimmy that just shows that Jimmy likes the team that he has around him. He like he likes that 
He's got players that won't back down, that they're not scared of the of the challenge. They're not scared of the lights when they're the brightest. So I I have the Heat winning this. This is gonna this is gonna go seven games, I think. I say the Heat in seven. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, so I mean I love to hear that flame inside of a player, that that mini mamba mentality that Hero kinda has. He's not afraid to shoot, man. He ain't afraid to back down to Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler's a pretty guard, uh, scary guard to really play defense on. But anyway, I think that um, Giannis versus Butler matchup should be one of the funnest matchups we'll have here in the playoffs, to be honest. Mm. This is going to be really good. You're talking about two guys that just, they just have this mentality of like, I'm coming through the paint, I'm coming in right now, and I'm just going to go full full force, you know? So having two of these guys, I just hope they don't get in too much foul trouble, which I think the bubble's kind of uh, helping out in that aspect. There's no real home field advantage. So the refs don't really, you know, lean one way or the other. So hopefully we don't see too much foul trouble from, you know, one game to another and they just let them just go at each other really physical, obviously not too physical, but you know, I want to see a good game between these two. Mm. Go ahead, George. Yeah. So, um, like I said, we've seen the Bucks kind of choke in the playoffs before and not perform. We saw them lose four straight to the Raptors. Like I already said, they leave shooters wide open. That he are number two in the in the NBA for three pointers. So that's just reasons why I got the Heat in six. Mm. We're going to move on to our next topic now. So last Monday, the Indiana Pacers lost in the first round of the NBA playoffs to the Miami Heat. The Pacers were swept in the series, losing all four games by no more than 12 points each game. The front office of the Pacers decided to part ways with Nate McMillan on Wednesday after four seasons as the Pacers head coach. So for this one, we're going to start off with Eric. Eric, do you think that the Pacers front office made the right decision in parting ways with former head coach Nate Nate McMillan. I don't think they went the right direction, and I'm gonna tell you why, man. Um, I think, I mean, things happen for a reason in life, you know, and everything just happened the wrong way for the Pacers organization and uh, Nate McMillan. So, I mean, like, just think about it. So, like a year ago, or actually in August, um, Nate McMillan agreed to a one-year, you know, contract mm-hmm. extension, and then he gets fired, you know, basically a few days later. So it's like, it's crazy. Um, What is he supposed to do, to be honest? I mean, he took LeBron to a a game seven in 2018. I mean, he did so much for him. I think about So like, let's start from Mm. the beginning here. 2017, the Pacers lost to the Cavs by a total of 16 points, right? Mm. Then you have 2018, you got the Pacers take Cavs to seven games. Obviously, the Cavs continued. Um, Then 2019, you have Oladipo was not healthy. So they didn't have one of their main stars. So, you know, this is all getting probably put on the coach as of right now. And then 2020 you have, you know, uh, Sabonis was not healthy. Uh, Olo Depro was recovering. I mean, Nick McMillan, he helped transform uh, Olo Depot and Sabonis into all-stars and he kept Indy in the playoffs for four straight years. Like what else do you want this, this guy to do this, this guy's doing it. It's just, you know, you have players not healthy. You're taking the team, the Cavs for in 2018, one game away from, I mean, from the finals, or was it that, I don't know if it was one game away from the finals or one from the uh, Eastern Conference finals, but they're getting really close. They're really close. I mean, their names may not be there, 
that you want to see. They're not like household names, but these guys are doing the job. You know what I mean? Like they're doing the job. So I don't really know what the Pacers are looking for. They had a, a coach that made guys all stars. He made he helped make guys you know really get to the point where they wanted them, but just not you know they were ready for the next point. Which the next point to me is everyone stays healthy. If everyone stays healthy, I mean I think they got it. Hmm. Okay, Joe, we're going to go to you. Joe, what are your thoughts? Do you believe that the Pacers front office made the right decision in parting ways with former head coach Nate McMillan? I believe it's a good thing that they parted ways because I believe that's just they're just getting started. I I believe that they're going to do a whole team rebuild. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of your head coach and now there's talks about getting rid of one of your star players, Olin Depot. I could be wrong, but I, I sense a whole team rebuild. Mm. George, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I agree with a lot of the points Eric made. You know, this guy, he's a really good coach, underrated in my opinion. He's with the Pacers teams that he's had, they've overachieved every year. Now, they disappoint in the playoffs, but not all his fault. A lot of injuries to his players. Um, and honestly, like, if they made the right choice, depends on who they replace him with, right? So if they replace him with a better coach, sure. But we'll see because, like I said, Nate McMillan has overachieved with the squad that he's been given. And then once it goes to the playoffs, they're injured. So it's really not his fault that they get swept. Like, what are you supposed to do when your stars are not in the game? Um and even think about that uh, 2017 season. He had Paul George, Lance Stevenson, Jeff Teague. You know, he didn't have great players. We've seen Paul George not even be able to, to be that man in the playoffs. Um, McMillan is ranked number four all time in wins as the head coach for the Pacers franchise. Let's put this a little into some context. Larry Brown, who is ranked number three with seven more wins, but the season was also cut short due to the coronavirus. Um, so if the if we had the full season, he could have easily been the top three uh, ranked head coach for the Pacers if they play the full 82. Frank Vogel is number two, but he's coached for six years. And then Slick Leonard out, uh, is at number one, and he coached for 12 years. McMullen also made the playoffs every season and overperformed with the teams he had with the injuries. So, you know, let's not take anything away from Nick McMillan. He's a great coach. So hopefully, I mean, I'm positive he's going to find a job somewhere else in the league and we'll be able to see what he can really do with another squad. But, you know, he's a good coach. Let's see who they replace him with. But it would have been nice to see him with a healthy roster these four years. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on that? I believe that what everything George said is correct. If I believe if he had a better squad during his t- little short tenure, I believe they could have went to the finals, even with the little help with the Paul George, Lance Stevenson, and all that. Just a, a couple more pieces, they would have been in the finals. But I believe I believe there he could go somewhere good and make a magic happen. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, George. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I don't think he needed to get to the finals for him to keep his job with the Pacers. I think the biggest, like, 
down on him was that it was the first round. You know, he kept losing in that first round. Mm. So I think, I mean, if he would have made that second round a couple of times or even this year, I think he'd still be the head coach. It's just because he got swept and he kept losing in the first round. I think the Pacers were just thinking they needed to go in a different direction. Uh, like I said, not all his fault, but, you know, it's a business and they're looking for someone who can make it better, make it to that next round. Mm. Yeah, I think when you look at his first year there, he, uh, you know, I think I think that there were some expectations for the first year, but once you got rid of Paul George, Lance Stevenson, and you know Jeff Teague, all all the other players that were involved in that team, once you once you get rid of those players, it's almost like you figured that they would regress big time. In fact, and it showed that. He, he showed that he was able to take them back into the playoffs with this whole new team, with this whole different team. And granted, the Paul George trade helped him out, got him some good players, Sabonis, for example. Um, so the Paul George trade did help out a bit with that. But nobody expected them to make the, the playoffs again, and they did. And they and then they meet the Cavs. What year was it when they went to Game 7 with them? Was it uh, 2017? Yeah, the years seventeen and eighteen. Yeah, seventeen and eighteen. So the that that series was a fun series to watch, and they took the Cavs to they took the Cavs to uh, seven games. And keep in mind, this is the same Cavs team that made it to the finals. You know, so I think that everything that's kind of it's it's almost been just kind of you know one thing after another, just a series of unfortunate events with him. And I think that's why they ultimately believed, well, you have a hard time escaping out of the first round. So we're going to, we're going to move forward without you. But I think it was like, I, like we guys were saying, it's just a series of unfortunate events. And I'm thinking that wherever I'm thinking that he will land somewhere else and wherever he goes, maybe he will, um, <clears throat> maybe he'll elevate that team to the next level. It's, it'd be interesting to see where the Pacers go from here though. George. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I uh, just wanted to add one little, I guess, positive or light at the end of the tunnel for Nate McMillan. Um, so, you know, August 12th, he agrees to that one-year extension with the Pacers. And then August 26th, he gets fired by the Pacers. But because they gave him that extension, he's actually, you know, he still gets that guaranteed money that he signed for. Mm. So it's not like, you know, he got fired and, you know, he lost his job, he lost his money. You know, so luckily he's still going to get some of that guaranteed money that he signed for. So while he looks for another job, you know. Mm. So we are going to switch gears now and head over to the NFL. This Sunday morning, the Jacksonville Jaguars agreed on a trade with the Minnesota Vikings to send Pro Bowl edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe to Minnesota for a 2021 second round pick and a conditional 2022 fifth round pick that can go as high as a third round pick if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. So, George, we'll start with you on this one. Who won this trade and why? The Vikings won this trade. They got a good underrated pass rusher and didn't have to give up a first round pick for him. That's a steal, man. This helps the Vikings defense as they already have a good defense. They, uh, Gave up that 2021 second round pick, a conditional fifth round pick for 2022, 
And that pick can move to a fourth round pick if he makes the Pro Bowl, uh, moves to a third round pick if he makes the Pro Bowl and they win the Super Bowl. The Vikings and uh, in joke or how do you say his name? Ngakwe. Ngakwe agreed to that one year, $12 million deal. So Ngakwe will take nearly $6 million less to play with Minnesota than he would have taken in Jacksonville. So that just shows he really wanted out. My concerns with the Jags organization is it seems like they can't really keep their good players. So that's concerning to me. Andrew, I know you're a Jaguars fan, so I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts are on that because they couldn't keep Jalen Ramsey. Now they can't keep this guy. It seems like everyone kind of wants to get out of that place. And so I don't know what the future looks like for them, but the Vikings won this trade as they got the better player. They didn't have to give up high draft picks. And we also got to remember, I mean, it's going to be a, a weird draft if, you know, there's no college football. How are you going to know who to scout for, who to draft? So it's going to be a little tricky for that that next draft pick. But, yeah, curious to see what you guys got. All right. We're going to move to Eric now. Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really think that um, he wanted out, like George was saying. Was, I mean, they traded him. The team – I mean, didn't want there. And um, via Twitter, uh, uh, Yannick actually, you know, was very grateful saying that uh, it was his home for four years and that he'll never forget it, but this chapter's over. And he goes, nothing lasts forever. And he wants to move on to the Vikings here and just, you know, there's no bad blood. So, I mean, what sucks for the Jaguars is since 2017, they had six pro bowlers in that defense. And I mean, they're all gone. You had Jalen Ramsey, Yannick, um, AJ, Campbell, Jackson, and Smith, and all these all these guys are gone. It seems like these um, Jacksonville Jaguars are going through a whole rebuild, um, just starting fresh. You know, they had, like I said, they had a lot of great players, a lot of young players, and they either traded them or they had some bad blood on their hands, and they had to get rid of more players left. So it doesn't look too good here for the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, but it does look, you know, kind of bright. Uh, if you're talking about the future, they do have some picks here and there, but I mean, the Vikings definitely, definitely won. I mean, the Vikings now have a super elite defense. I mean, their pass rushers are great. Linebackers are great. Their safeties are great. Um, they're one of the two of their safeties is Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Uh, their linebackers are Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. The pass rush is now Yannick and uh, Hunter. So, I mean, they have a really promising defense. But, I mean, do they get all the stuff they get if they win the Super Bowl here and get, you know, better picks or worse picks? I mean, I just don't see the Vikings going to the Super Bowl anytime soon, to be honest. Um, but you never know. So they look bright, brighter than the Jags, at least. Mm. Sorry, Joe. Andrew. Very sorry. Joe, what are your thoughts? I think the Jags made out on this one. Mm. They made out with a fairly a fairly good deal because a Nagakwe didn't even want to play for him. I know he said on his tweet that he was grateful, but he could have said that, but I know – he didn't want to pay for him because they didn't want to pay him. Um, even if he did, even if the Jags did sign him on a franchise tag, he was in a holdout. He wants that max deal, or he he just wanted to be, or they were just going to trade him. And now that Jags have uh, two potential second round picks, one that they already had, and the one they got from the Vikings, they could they could play with them now. They could. Where they could trade, trade a second round pick for someone and all that. But here's the positive end on this for the Jags. 
There's there's another defensive guy that's out there. You got you guys know who that is? Mm. Jadavion Clowney. He's still out there on the table. And he, he wants to sign to a team that's that's willing to sign him and possibly a playoff contender. And if the Jacks could do it, I believe they could get him. Mm, solid point. Yeah. Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so on the clowny thing, I mean, they didn't want to have this guy around and a lot of people around, to be honest. I doubt they'll pay for anyone for, you know, the price of uh, for Clowney. Um, they're just not going to do it, man. I just don't see that happening. Why would they pay for someone that much and then have a very mediocre team? I just don't see it happening. Mm. <sighs> this hurts me waking up this morning as a Jags fan. Um, I can't express enough how, you know, the, the guy, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to be on the team and okay. You know, if you don't want to be on the team, you don't want to be on the team. Um, so at, at some point he was going to get sent away. I knew that I'm kind of bummed that they didn't get a first round pick for him because from, from what my sources told me, they had a first round pick offer for him back in, I think it was June. Um, and they, they didn't accept it. And my beef with this is. Yannick Ngakwe, one there was there was talks about extending him last year. There was talks there was talks about getting a contract with him last year, and this was in July actually of 2019. And Yannick Ngakwe turned down a 19 million dollar annually deal. So he, there was a deal that was reported where he would get 19 million dollars a year annually. Now. He is a great pass rusher, and he has the crazy statistic, actually, is he has 14 forced fumbles from 2016 to 2019, which ranks fourth in the league, only behind Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, and TJ Watt. My only beef with him throughout his tenure as a Jaguar was he was abysmal in the run game. He was a liability for sure, and his only forte, which it's a good forte. I'm not saying it's bad. It's a good forte, but his only forte was being a pass rusher. And in my honest opinion, the Jaguars gave him a fair deal, offering him $19 million a year, considering that he was pretty one-dimensional in the fact that he was only a pass rusher, and that's it. He was a great pass rusher. He's one of the best in the league, but that's all he was, was a pass rusher. He wasn't a run stopper by any means. In fact, teams would just bulldoze through him and his side of the field. So in my honest opinion, I think that the Vikings are the, the Vikings aren't getting as good of a player as they think they're getting because everyone praises him and thinks that he is uh, an all-pro, pole-bowl, all-star caliber player, which is, in fact, true. He is, according to his resume, but that's only for pass rushing. He is not a pro bowl in any way when you look at his run stopping. So in, in the playoffs, you have to have a solid run defense. 
And so I think that the Vikings, they got a good pickup with this pass rusher. And if you were to ask me, I believe they won this trade for sure because this should have, for the Jaguars, this should have been a first-round pick. And it wasn't. So if you're asking me, the Vikings did win this trade. But this, this Vikings team isn't getting someone who can help them with their run defense. They're only getting somebody who will do something as a pass rusher, which they, in my opinion, had enough skill with already. And I think they needed a little bit more help with their run defense. So we'll see as the year progresses. Maybe, maybe Ngakwe is happier being in Minnesota and maybe he develops more as a run stopper. But I think that I think that this was a win for the Vikings, but I think that it's not as big a win as they're thinking as and as as big a win as most people are thinking. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, back to what you're saying. Back when they wanted to, back when they got that first round pick for him, um, I for, I forgot what team it was. The Jags were hoping that they could actually resign him. Mm-hmm. They weren't. They weren't even thinking about trading. Maybe they were on the like low key, but and honestly, in their heart, they wanted to sign him. But with that trade gone and left. So, and no one else wanted the first round pick. That's the best outcome they could have came was that second round pick for next year's draft. Hmm. That was one of the highlights. Hmm. George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are, I mean, to go back to that whole money deal that you're talking about, they could have, they offered him that $19 million. He ended up signing that for $12 million with the Vikings. So that just shows how much he really didn't want to be there. And the Vikings, you know, you're, you're making that claim how he's not the best defensive player because he's only good at that one thing. Well, you pair him up with a good defense, a good – they have another good pass rusher also. So maybe they don't need him to do everything and he can focus on that one thing to really help them out since they already got a solid defense and other players along with him. Hmm. Doesn't that kind of low-key contradict your whole claim with Mello, though, like you said earlier? No, it doesn't. I think so, because when you think about it, you're saying that they got good pass rushers, and you're saying that with him there, it'll help out the pass rushing game a lot because that's all they'll ask of them, right? Yeah, okay, well, we're, we're talking about two different sports, and it'd be different if if the Blazers were top five in defense as a team – and Mello was their only defensive liability, that's different. You know, we've seen teams succeed that way. I'm saying the Vikings already have a top defense. And if he, this, if Ngakwe can't do everything, that's fine. They don't need him to do everything. They got other players to uh, make up for whatever he can't do. The Blazers don't have anyone to make up for the defensive liability of Mello. That are that's on the court with him at the same time. So it, we're talking about two different things, two different sports, not contradicting at all. I see. So then I'm going to ask you guys. Like Eric kind of touched up on this earlier. I'm going to ask you guys with this trade. How far do you guys think the Vikings can go? We'll start with we'll start with you, George. Mm, I mean, definitely make the playoffs. I mean, we've seen them make the playoffs already. Um, like every year, so 
I definitely say they make the playoffs, but I mean, it's going to be hard. There's some good teams, you know, that they're going to have to go through. There's some good teams so, in that NFC for sure. Yeah, so it, it's going to be tough. I'm I'm not saying they make the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe they make it out the first round. You know, that's probably mm-hmm. maybe where I got them. Second round playoffs. And I mean, remember too, this team was, this team made the NFC Championship not too long ago. So. Yeah, I mean, my, my other concerns, too, is going to be offense, not defense. You know, defense, I think they'll be fine. But we got to remember they got rid of Stefan Diggs. I mean, they still got Adam Thielen, but the defense can now focus on him, on that receiving core, and, you know, dare everyone else to try to catch the ball. At least with Diggs, you had to respect Diggs, and you couldn't just double Adam Thielen. So my, my concerns aren't on the defense. It's going to be that offense. You know, is Kirk Cousins going to step up? You know, I've always considered him, you know, middle of the pack quarterback. And now that they only got Adam Thielen, you know, I think that's going to be their issue is throwing the ball. We know they could run the ball. We know they could play defense, but how well can they throw the ball? What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I believe everything everything that you said, George. It's the defense is in, the defense was already good before Nagakwe got there. So and it's, everything always going to rely on the offense because I think last year, Kirk Cousins, he started out real slow. I think that was the year he started out real slow. And now that they lost Stefan Diggs, it's all going to be on Thielen and Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook, he's kind of a, he's kind of glass. He gets injured frequently. Mm. And if they could crack down on uh, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen is basically their only star receiver now. And they just got to shut him down. And I think they got the Vikings down. But they will make the playoffs. But I, I have them losing in the first round. Mm. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. I want, you, I want to thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be Highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested. Highly contested.